Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. Challenge. Positive, gentlemen. Challenge. That's right. And <laughs> to prevent us from being too overtly negative or cynical or pompous or egotistical, like, well, I'm not going to say anything about it. The, the reviews of this movie are not particularly great, but we're going to try to keep it positive. So we have this here buzzer to pre- play. There you go. You're going to hear that sound Let's anytime we say something negative. And that means we have to take a drink, people, and we hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass as we get ready to talk about the movie that managed to piss off America. This week. That's right. Yes, the movie. Shape. Let's take our pre-show shot. And cheers, yes. gentlemen. And yes, that was my Gryffindor shot cup. Nice. Well, I, I got a beer that, and I don't have my bottle opener, so I'll figure that out in a second. Um, people, we are talking about Blonde today, the movie in which everyone is your daddy except for your daddy. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I saw Dave I got, reaching for the buzzer, but I, I didn't got, hear it. I got she was, no, I was turning my volume down. So that you- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were buzzing me. Okay, great. I got no, away with it. This hand's the buzzer hand, see? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Blonde. Not received particularly well. IMDb score 5.6. Rotten Tomatoes like that 40 something. Audience scores like 30 per something. Dave, we, we just talked about the premise of our show. Yeah, Dave, coming at you, dude. Coming at you. Um, <laughs> written and directed by Andrew Dominique. Certainly getting a lot of attention for being a man and taking this on and doing it the way he's doing it. Uh, he's from New Zealand, Dave, kind of on your side. He is. Well. He was also the uh, director of Chopper, which was uh, one of Eric Banner's best films. Yeah, yeah. 2000. Uh, give, give and Chopper then of course, like he'll he met, scare the shit out of you. I don't know where he met Brad Pitt, but killing them softly and the assassination of the coward Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. There's a ca- one of them is a coward. Um, Try and fit Brad that title Pitt, on, a, on an application sheet. Brad Pitt and Plan B produced this year film blonde which just premiered on netflix 25 million dollar budget on a day armas taking on the role of norma jean a lot of other people are taking on characters with fake names so that they wouldn't get sued the fuck out of them by their portrayal in this film uh-huh. including joe dimaggio and arthur miller who are the base the the the, the former baseball player and the playwright is how they're built or some <laughs> shit like that um and we'll get into that in a second people it had the NC-17 rating and uh, the controversies and the accent and the trail. I'm sure we'll talk about it all if you've been paying attention. But we have some sponsors that we have to shout out. John, you want to shout out our sponsor and a half? Sure. We have, uh, yeah, I guess half a beer sponsor. Carlos, we love you. We miss you, Mr. Carlos Barozzo. You can find I him really on Instagram. I really miss Carlos's beers. <laughs> Go find that guy on Instagram. Follow him, cbarozzo.beer, C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O dot beer. Uh, and we got a musical artist yes. in residence. His name is Dasein. D-A-S-E-I-N. Congrats, Jeff. Uh, Thank go you. down the, the rabbit hole, the Dasein rabbit hole on every single music platform. That music is available for free, ready to download, support. All right. Let's fucking do it. Dude. All right. We have we have gripes of the week. I feel like that was such a good segue into our episode about Blonde. Should we skip gripes of the week this week? Dave, do you have a gripe? No, I don't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the quickest gripe. I'm gonna give the quickest gripe. Ever. <laughs> All right, here comes here comes the gripe. The, the quickest gripe. The quickest gripe ever. Sure, Eight minutes sure, later. Sure. Go. Yeah. Is it on? Streaming platforms that let you watch commercials. Go fuck yourselves. All of you guys. Here's the thing. When I do when I do trainings, for instance, I need to make sure I watch the full videos, and then afterwards it says, "Yes, you have watched this video. You can proceed." So why is it that if I want to rewind, like let's say, for instance, I watch an episode of a TV show, and I was like, "Wait, is that the <laughs> yeah. character from the beginning?" I have to watch the commercials all over again. Why can't I just get a little check that says, "You watch the commercials." He can go back and just check what the fuck is up with this. If I go back, and then if I want to jump back to the end, I have to watch another block of commercials. Get all get over yourselves. Come on, I'm paying. It's not like I'm doing this for free. Hulu, the extra four dollars to get rid. I, I really feel like they're messing with me and I, I hate you. I hate you. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to add on to that. I feel like there was a moment in time or it still happens sometimes where all the commercials are front loaded. That's fine. Like just, just throw them in the front so that I can just walk away for five minutes, six minutes while these play. And then don't interrupt the actual watching experience. You're still, yeah, the ads are still playing. Yeah. I totally agree, dude. That shit is so fucking annoying when you rewind and you hit a commercial. Oh my God. And there's no way around it. All right. Thank you very much. Let us segue into our conversation about 
Blonde, mm. right? Which is the telling of the character Norma Jean becoming Marilyn Monroe. Um, it kind of covers a very big block of her life. This is based on the Joyce Carol Oates novel. They're calling it a novel. So even though it's pulling on a lot of the nonfiction elements, she's been out. She's sort of been on the trail. I don't know if they are... You know, with like, well, you know, with like um, lawsuits and things like, you know, the one team has their uh, experts and then the other, like the other team has their experts. So I don't know if she's on like team Andrew Dominic or all the media places or like you speak out because this is controversial. So I don't Some know. Drugs, what, like, to be honest, I don't know. What, Dave, <laughs> I don't know what side she's coming in on this from. But she is speaking. I do, and I'll she, speak to it. I have an interview of her that I'll reference once we start I, talking. I, well, about I have two, and one they have two very different provocative headlines. One is like the writer of Blondes, the book, or something was like, "Here's where the movie Blonde got it wrong." From the author of Blonde, and then the next one is like, "Blonde's author of the book calls film brilliance." Um, it says it's sincere adaptation, whatever. So it's like the headlines are kind of, again, this is a media, this is one of those weird things with a media firestorm. You can't, it's almost like you can't watch this movie without it. So I'm going to pull back from that, of course, right now. I'll just give you the pitch. Let me just a little bit more about the cast. Julianne Nicholson plays Gladys, who's Norma Jean's mom. Um, you have other stars would be fucking a- a- Adrian Brody, who's having a good time right now. He plays mm-hmm. Arthur Miller. And I will say, if anybody knows what Arthur Miller looks like, Adrian Brody looks a lot like Arthur Miller yeah. in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw him and I've been watching, I watched Winning Time casting. and he was um, Pat Riley. So he's played a lot of known people, um, not to young people on TikTok, of course. And then Bobby Cannavale plays ex-athlete, aka Joe DiMaggio. Um, that's it. Let's go into the description. Yeah, for a cock. Of course, people, if you're new to the podcast, we try to start spoiler-free. Should have said that a little earlier here. So we're going to try to start. I don't really know how you spoil this movie necessarily, but we're going to try and hopefully yeah, not. I don't think you can spoil it. That ship yeah. has sailed. I think we know what happens to Marilyn Monroe in this. Okay. This is, yeah. are you ready? A fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Who would like to start first with your initial takeaways? What'd you think? What'd you feel? I love David. that the, the, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go first, but I just want to say I love that the director in the in his interviews doubled down on this stuff, and he's like, I made the movie and told the story I wanted to tell. Fuck you if you don't get it, basically. But Netflix hedged yeah. their bets and was like a fantasy telling. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah like, he did not the help himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, somebody and I I, I saw this. Oh, a, a, I will say a lady who who called this film offensive, a reviewer who called this film offensive, um, qu- pulled out a couple quotes, and I will say she pulled out some very effective quotes in putting him down. And one of them was basically like, I had a lot of girlfriends who, you know, did these things. And it was like, uh, not the most pro femme take from the director of this film that is rated NC seventeen. Okay. John, I guess Dave's kind of goading you into going first here. So, all right, I guess I guess I'll, I guess I'll go first. Um, I don't think the language to discuss this film is "I like it" or "I didn't like it." This is a work you of should, art. Um, you should really talk to a lot of people who have been talking about this. <laughs> sure. No, no, no. I think we're, we can't. What's fun about the, what, the point I'm making is going to prove itself in all of our references to all the controversy over this movie, because. Um, this is the kind of thing where the intention of, of, of very artful, and this is clearly an artful, experiential kind of film. It's not a story. It's not linear necessarily. It's when you make something like this and when you watch something like this, it, you really shouldn't try to go and asking yourself, am I liking it or not? It's really, is it effective or not? And how it's affecting you, whether that's a positive or a negative reaction, I still think that might equal success. Um, it, it, it's kind of... I think it's kind of proof that this film is working, whether or not you agree with his intention. This film is working because most people are not feeling mediocre about this. They are either hating this or they are finding it really compelling and, you know, whatever words they want to use to describe something that's very positive. So I am on the team of I found this. um, I don't even want to know if I I don't even know if I want to use the word positive because I didn't I didn't love how this movie made me feel. But I loved watching it because I thought it was so incredibly risky and effective. I am also going to put on that cap and say that I am very aware that I am a man. I am not a woman. I am not a woman living in this time. And I, I went to see this with a woman, my, my female partner, and she had a really tough time with this movie. Um, we have been talking about it a lot since then. I've talked about this movie a lot with some people from film school who have seen it. 
men and women. And it does seem to be viewing very differently depending on who you are and how you identify. And there's so many things that we bring into our art experiences nowadays. And this, again, this is so intentionally artistic and poetic and suggestive and not literal that it is getting under people's skin. Um, but I will just say as a, as a fan of movies, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And I had a, a really effective experience. Uh, I might watch it again just to try to put myself through it um, over the next week or so. I also, I will say this, I saw it in the theater and it makes me nervous that people are going to try to watch this at home where they can pause it and debate it and scream about it and get upset about it and not just deal with it and then try to kind of look back and see what the experience was. Um, so I will, if, if we are forcing me to say negative or positive, I will be team positive for this movie, but not necessarily just because I, I love the story. It's not like that. How about you, Dave? How much did you not feel that way? <laughs> um, <clears throat> let me put it this way. I, I, you know, you know, in Marvel films every now and then they'll, they'll do like a silhouette <laughs> shot or some sort of shot. And you're like, that's a comic book frame. Like yeah. that's a frame from the comic book. That's for the fans. Like this, the way it's draw, yeah. This is three hours of that, where like every eight minutes they they go to a photo, or like a, a photo that was taken. They set up the photo, or they set up the film, they set up the impersonation, and then they act out a scene around it. And it just does it again and again and again. And it could have been like an hour shorter for me. I was I was bored. It was long. I was bored. Definitely not the first person to to say that. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? Before, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Before I, there's not don't, more. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved uh, Anna's performance. Yeah. She's got damn I it, thought dude. that was fucking phenomenal. Like, it, it was, she literally embodied it. But for me, it came across as the whole movie was look at her playing this character. It, like, it, hmm. it was kind of like the, gimmick, the gimmick happened again and again. Marilyn no, playing was, this character. It was, it was kind of. Look how good, how well she can do this impersonation. It, oh, and they wow. just kind of, oh, okay. it just kind of did that over and over again. There were some great bits, like the the opening was fucking brutal. Um, like it was, showing, it was a horror film for me. Showing, I don't know yeah, showing her like mother's like film. schizophrenia. Like that was that was fucking brutal. With the um, fire in the background, yeah. it was beautiful. It's was, it was um, terrible, but beautiful. Yeah, the aspect ratio changing, I liked. So like the style of the film, I liked. Um. But yeah, I'll, I'll touch more on why this didn't sit well with me. And it's yeah. not, I don't think it's anything to do with what anyone said because I didn't read any of that until afterwards. I went in this cold. I, did, is, watch yeah. it. I did watch it at home let's, and I let's didn't stop it. recommend that. Nobody, watch, nobody read anything about this. Yeah. Just, just, just watch it if, you, if you're interested at all. Don't try to carry anything into this. Oh, sorry. Jeff, hmm. go for it. I thought, so I saw, I didn't, I saw this at home. I think I told you guys, I saw the first half hour of this, which is basically little young Norma. And I had to stop for reasons not to be discussed in the podcast. But then, so we, because we had this tonight and I had a busy day, I basically had, I had to watch this last night. Um, so I, I basically sat down and I basically, it was like two hours and 15 minutes left in this movie and I had to watch it last night. So I couldn't stop it, pause it. I couldn't put it off. And you know, there's some stuff in here that is disturbing. Mm. Um, anyway, I woke up today and I, I was thinking a lot about how I would answer this question. What is your initial takeaway? And honestly, my, <laughs> I, 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 I validate every single thing that John said about like how to discuss and, and validating the, the problems and complaints that everybody has. This movie blew me away. This movie blew me away. Fuck and yes. No, no, here's why. Here's why. Let me explain. Let me explain my experience. Cause you're right. It was long. I did. I did check the time a couple times to see how much was yeah. left. It is, it is exploitative. They do show things that, that a lot of people would probably have very good reasons to say they don't need to show us these kinds of things, um, which let's go ahead. And I'm going to save that for later and talk about mm. them. And cause it, it's almost impossible as guys to talk about this and, and, and justify our feelings and opinions about, you know, I like we, I just, we just have to accept that this is not our, our not conversation because anybody, we could talk about anything, but like it's, it's not a, it's not a fight that I want to pick. It's not, a, I don't want to choose a side yeah, on let's, that. Let's, why don't we just go ahead and ask listeners that we're aware of that and we're just going to try our best to converse, but we, we yeah. know that you're going to take it how you're going to take it and we're aware who we are discussing this film. And yeah. that's just, so here's what I here's what I saw, and I think Dave, you're on to. I think what you were saying is is true. For early in the film, and I realized that I was captivated. 
I, I realized very early on, I was like, holy shit, I'm like really into this movie. I was part of me thought I was like, it really reminded me of being in an acting class, which is an experience that not a lot of people have. But when you're in an acting class, especially when you're in the five hour acting classes that I know John and I have taken, which this is how it is in New York. When you have scenes, if you're in a good acting class, you need time. You can't just shit it for 10, shit it up there for 10 minutes and then get some notes and leave. You're never going to get better. You have to stick it out there for an hour and you have to fucking live with it. So I, and then what happens on top of that is that these blank walls, you go into it in a trance as an audience member, especially when a scene's good, and you start filling in the blanks of what's happening on the set. So a lot of the visual style that was being put in kind of reminded me of when somebody was doing a good scene and I started getting that sort of white light experience as an audience member of like everything else, just sort of basically reality. There's nothing about this film that is in reality. So I like that this Netflix thing was like, it's about the inner life. That's all it's about. It is not, so yes, you're right, Dave, they hit mm. these tent poles, but let me, let me talk about what that was for me. So I'm in this acting class and I was like, it's kind of like somebody who both can't get into a role, which we've seen in acting classes, people that just can't get into it, but also at the same time, somebody who can't get out of a role. That's, so that's, that was like the next step of my progress. Now, whether that's Anna becoming Norma or Norma becoming Marilyn, honestly, it all becomes sort of the same thing in this movie. So even like the accent stuff, like I, care, I did not think about that for one second. It Whereas the trailer, I thought about it. But in this, I, there were times where she sounded not American and I didn't, or English or whatever. And I didn't think, I didn't think about that for one second. So then eventually I devolved into really this whole thing lived somewhere between a dream and a nightmare. And she was never Norma or Marilyn to me in this movie. She was always in between and she was always mm. trying to latch on to one. And the tentpole things like the white dress going up and like the Kennedy thing, you know, all of these things, some, the Kennedy thing was very exploitative. I, that among all other things, I was like, okay, this I could see really pissing people off, but that's the choice they made. I felt like it was just sort of things to, rem, to remind us that this actually happens. Those were our only like levers of reality. The, the threesome with the guys, it may have never happened, but this person dealing with this mental illness, is it schizophrenic? If she didn't have Norma and or Marilyn, she might have been a schizophrenic. She might have been in need of a hospital, is what I thought. I don't know if that's true to Marilyn's story, but in this particular journey, this, this person couldn't figure out who she was, who her past was, who her present was, the characters where she, she was creating, the surprise she was when she saw them, the fact that people wanted, liked them. Again, not necessarily true to Marilyn's story. I have no idea. I'm not a Marilyn historian. But what I saw, I, I, I just couldn't take my eyes away. This is way more about identity to me, which of course it is, but like it's way more about identity than all of the other things that are getting discussed. And the stuff... As far as like what we should take away from Marilyn's story, because that's always it. It's like, why do they? What do they want me to know as the audience member? I, I, I don't know, but just seeing somebody go through this is was I. I couldn't get my. I couldn't stop. I was like totally mm. sucked in. That's that's where I, that was my experience with this movie. Dude, I'm so. It's weird, kind of right? jealous. You just, I'm kind of jealous you just went there because honestly, I think this is one of the most brilliant films I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> well, it's it's one that like, certainly when we rewatch it, definitely in a couple years, I hope that more people, especially people who like like Euphoria, which is about somebody who takes drugs, who doesn't know who she is, and all of her friends are all like, they, they're all putting on, if you've seen it, they're all putting on these identities, right? From from her friend who goes on OnlyFans as a different character and finds empowerment. I'm not a female empowerment person. We've already talked about that. But like, I feel like that crowd, the crowd that likes Euphoria, might watch this. Maybe maybe they see clips on TikTok and then they go, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then maybe they start not thinking good or bad or I like it or don't like it, but be like, that's fucked up. Oh, I can relate to that. Oh, that's like my friend. I wonder if this is going to age well. It might not, but I don't know. Sorry, John, to cut you off. No, 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 you're good. Um, I think we should go ahead and say we're moving into spoilers because yeah. we all kind of, part of the lovely aspect of this movie is that you all kind of, everyone in, in America and anyone who kind of is familiar with the pop culture associated with her kind of knows the touchstones of, of who she is and her iconography and maybe some of the relationships she had, her marriages. So I feel like we're not really going to ruin anything because ultimately this this telling the telling of this film is the reason to watch this film. The vehicle is this mythology around a real life person named Marilyn Monroe, really Norma Jean, aka Marilyn Monroe. So let's just let's just push this to the side really quickly because I don't think you can discuss the the actual film and the filmmaking without acknowledging that I completely understand and respect that some people are going to have a lot of issues and maybe won't be able to get past the fact that somebody is taking a lot of 
poetic, this is the most liberal way and positive way I can say it, poetic liberty, suggestive liberty with the events that happened in their life. I totally understand that. Elizabeth and I talked about maybe this would have been more effective if he didn't call her Marilyn Monroe, but it was Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could have gotten past those things, but let's just set that aside if we can, because it is important. I don't want to take anything away from that for people who struggle with that, but that was not ultimately what, what I think was intended. But more importantly, I don't think that's what found its way to the screen. I feel like this, this uh, suggestive nature of the way the tell reveals itself I very quickly realized just through the language of the movie that I wasn't supposed to think of this as a biopic. I was supposed to think of this as something that was trying to portray what it felt like for somebody to be in that crazy experience. What it what it may have felt like for for that person to have such an effect on an audience member that I was never able to actually detach myself from what I was seeing and what I thought about the character, the real person, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And the way he commented on that with film language, pulling, changing aspect ratios to create more like photographic kind of settings, playing mm. with color to try to give nods to the way that things may have been shot once, bringing color and totally out of it and overexposing backgrounds so that actually, it felt um, so stylized, you felt like you were in a dream. Every single aspect ratio and color matched the original photo. Which is, you know, and I feel like the commentary, the commentary and that was on absolutely on purpose. Yeah, all of the intentions, all of the um, the choices to to try to use every tool in the filmmaking box to try to suggest what what it felt like to be under these circumstances, they were so effective and they worked so well for me that I I just very quickly, maybe quicker than other people was able to be compelled. Like you said, Jeff, that is exactly what I started thinking within like 20 minutes. I stopped judging whatever I thought I was bringing into the movie theater with what I thought about Marilyn Monroe. And I just I just gave myself over to, to the telling. And I have never seen anything like this before. The transitions, the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the camera movement. Dave, let's talk for a second. It doesn't have to be right now about um, coverage listeners is whenever we shoot things from multiple angles so that we can rely on we can always have an option to edit away from an angle if it's not working there was literally no coverage in this movie they did not have any of it it was they didn't shoot anything from like an entire scene was not shot from multiple angles there may have been a couple moments where they decided to to shoot it differently but the story was always moving forward with the change of angles the, the the transitions were so were so suggestive that again I feel like that was probably my favorite part about this whole movie the edits and the very interesting I have a choices note, like I have waterfalls a note just, and sheets I have a note that described the editing as schizophrenic so so when so when we say that, that like yeah but that's that's a compliment that, that, it, it was like yeah, yeah it worked right yeah, yeah. It, it like it literally yeah it was almost dizzying at points that's kind of what I'm saying. Let me let me pass this off after this because I, I just I just listened to, I tried to listen to some interviews. We all read some stuff because I'm sure we want to try to have a responsible conversation about this. I did no but research. He said at all. something that I thought was okay. Good, good. He said something that I thought was like, okay, this is exactly who he is, and and you feel it when you watch his movies. And and now we we've actually heard it from the horse's mouth. He says that like he doesn't like he's he knows he knows that most people discuss filmmaking in terms of storytelling dictates everything. And so you're going to kind of build all of your filmmaking around how to how to tell a story. But he tends to deal with this kind of suggestive kind of poetic stuff. And he says that he's much more interested in thinking about how to film something as though it were music, film that comes at you. Every image, every move, every transition has a, has a feeling and it's specific. And it, it should kind of dictate how you see it, not necessarily trying to capture a moment, having the moment create an emotional experience for you that hopefully isn't literal. And I felt like as soon as he said that, it made so much sense to me. Film is music. And it, cause that's kind of what this felt like to me. I felt like I was listening to a very, yeah, sure. Gosh. There's a button I didn't think I'd push during this episode. <laughs> the gush alarm. I'll shut the fuck up. We're going to keep, we're going to keep talking about all these things. All right, but, um, we're, we're definitely t- but, we haven't spoiled uh, yeah, anything yeah. yet, but we're definitely turning the spoilers on now. People, people tuning in for a blind episode are so confused right now. Yeah, <laughs> like what is happening? With these guys? Especially if they've seen the movie. 
Well, I also want, wait, I want to, I want to throw an idea out there. So I, I'm, I'm replaying my rant, not the word for word. Cause I don't give a fuck. And I never do that. But the, the fact that I'm saying like, Oh, this is somebody grappling with this. I'm sure somebody's going to be like, but Marilyn Monroe was smart. She actually did take advantage of her own, of her own be- well being. She quit the industry and moved to New York and studied acting with Lee Strasberg. She started a company. Yeah, There was a whole, she, she wasn't a whole lot of that that they left out. Uh, he, yeah, he was and, more and focusing I, on yeah. the, like he did. I mean, he did deliberately want to focus on what broke her. Yeah. Um, but that was, that I don't was know, the question, I, right? I think, yeah, Why I think, did this person yeah. kill herself? But is also, basically what... the thing that, that got me the most, because I, I joked before that I didn't do any research, I did. <laughs> Every single event that he portrayed as breaking her, with the exception of maybe uh, the Arthur Miller miscarriage, was rumor. There was, there's no evidence that sure. any of that ever happened. Oh, he said he did apparently. Well, yeah, I don't want to fight for him or anything, but supposedly him and Joyce Carol Oates did talk to people who knew her. And so they got like the, they got as she got, she believed she got as Johnny, it was this an article. She believed she got as much information as anybody possibly could have by talking to people who knew her. But I don't want to make it seem like he did his work, so therefore we should listen to him. That's not the point. Um, all the miscarriages and, and the abortions and stuff, that is definitely still speculative to this yeah. day as an example. And, of course, the JFK interaction. All we really have is happy birthday, Mr. President, and a lot of Which people they, who... they kind of... They skipped, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. Probably best after that scene that she did not say yeah. happy birthday. Yeah, right. <laughs> but her, her on, her on drugs, the getting off the plane <laughs> and getting the return ticket and going in there, like the way that happened. That was, is- yeah, that was, I mean, it was, again, every, everything from that point. Once she started to disintegrate, um, it settled into a narrative, whether it was based yeah. on fact or not, but he, it was the story he wanted to tell. And it was the story of the destruction of an icon. And yeah, it definitely, he definitely... He he entered the final lap about 45 minutes before the end of the movie, too. It really was like, I don't want to say one beat. That's something that people have been saying about this movie that I don't agree with. But towards the end, it was it was it was devolving. There weren't a lot of ups and downs after a certain point. There were some spots that they really hit. But but also, but here's so here's what here's what I want to get at, because we still have a lot of people that are really standing for Marilyn Monroe, as perhaps they should, you know, because she was a real person and not just this figure, which is, mm. you know, obviously discussed in this movie, but so with, this is going to be, this is going to sound ridiculous, but with Shakespeare characters, we don't really give a fuck about who the real people are. We know who this Hamlet is. We know who that Macbeth is. We know who that Edward VI is, but we don't, the, the, the stories are all, all changed. Julius Caesar may have, he probably never said et tu brute, but we actually think he did because, you know what I mean? But we're yeah. not going to hate on, <laughs> but we're not going to hate on Shakespeare for writing that. Literally most people in this world think he actually said that, but really one person who might not have even been the actual person we think he is wrote it in a play once. Um, so anyway, with this, with this character, I wonder what the Statue of Liberty, I wonder when people can, because this happens with movies all the time where we take a, a figure and we make a movie about them, but say what we want to say. This is not the first time that that is being done. You know, um, how many how many times do they just pull on people? Abraham Lincoln was not a vampire hunter. We just like Abraham Lincoln wanted to see him kill some vampires. Okay, I'm that, sorry. If you, if you turn on Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter, you kind of know what you're fucking. In for. I know, I know. I, I, I can't, I can't come up with, the, I can't come up with another example. But all I'm saying is that if it was just vampire hunter, okay. But Abraham I, Lincoln vampire hunter, like, I will okay, come up with like, another fine. example. Meet the Ricardos. I feel like they did it better in like I mean, granted theirs was based on a lot of fact, but it was it was dramatized. But also there with when she was playing Lucy, there were less impersonations. They like they shied away from actually reproducing like the movies or the TV shows or like that sort of thing. She was she was Lucy off stage, and once or twice they showed you her performing, and that was the impersonation. The rest yeah. of it was the the Lucy you didn't see, and in this one they kind of just went the other way, and it was just in, like clip after clip after clip after clip of like things that we already saw, and it it was they they kind of windowed that with like her as Norma Jean sitting there watching it or watching herself. Well, so and so that's that's what so what I got out of it too. I I, I validate that for sure. What I got out of it was Norma Jean watching Marilyn and basically not realizing that Marilyn was very consistent while Norma Jean was not. And so her basically being like, oh my God, is that what I did? Like almost not even remembering that. Now for better or worse, is accurate or not, I it, it still kind of worked for me to have those little check-in moments of her being like, wait, that was me six months ago when we filmed this? Like, 
And then, of course, the onset rockiness got a little crazy. But also, um, I must admit, when when they were showing diamonds on screen, and then they cut to her, and the camera slowly pulls out, and she's like surrounded by the demons from Smile. Yeah. Is there anywhere their fucking marketing didn't reach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but I think I, I think I totally agree that like they couldn't they that he could not have avoided that because that was such an obvious. Not many people have that kind of mirror looking back at them for that public image. We all kind of create that public image of ourselves and celebrities. And she's just one of the highest of all time in terms of that kind of iconography. It was essential for us to see her witnessing that. So I don't know how they could have inferred or implied that. So it, it did work for me that we got to see the, the horror of, of taking on that kind of whatever you want to call it, alter ego or, or, or just, um, show name you know it, it it became more it almost in in a way it started with this thing that seemed so innocent and uh logical and then by the end of it it seemed to have just completely taken over all of her whatever her foundation was for any kind of sanity she lost it more and more and more as she went along when she realized i feel like it kind of built to this point where for me there was a big turning point and one of the um, the Joe DiMaggio scenes where he comes home after Seven Year Itch and just beats the hell out of her. Or no, 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 excuse me. Before Seven Year Itch, when he says, you can't take this movie after the chaplain mm. and Edward G. Robinson yep. Jr. give him the photos. And he says, you know, you can't do it. And she says, I, I have to work. It's literally all I have. It really started made that. I feel like that was so specific and so necessary for me to think that she was building up an entire, an entire sense of worth around something that started closer to who she, I think she thought she could control it. This side of her that people enjoyed seeing. And then it, it had, it, it ate her. And I just don't think it would have worked filmmaking wise if I didn't get to see myself eating her. Like I'd started destroying her just as we all have with the way we think of Marilyn Monroe. Like she kind of belongs to us now. Mm. It's there almost were, like this. There were a couple thing of straight down the barrel shots as well. Like mm. to really yeah, hit that I mean, that helped, but I just couldn't stop thinking the whole time about how 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 incredibly intelligent it was for him to to use all these fun filmmaking techniques to try to suggest to us that any judgment you have for this woman, whether you're trying to rescue her from from this film from me, is ultimately you projecting what you think you or know even, of her, or even if because you she lent exactly. herself to all of us. I, I, if I you can think see, well, Marilyn can, Monroe was this, and it's like, well, I can know. see why it pissed off a lot of the like the diehard fans because he's basically calling out the fandom, going, "You did this." We all did, it, yeah. Dude. I, that, I mean, but it, it's like the, uh, it's like you you fed off her and drove her to this. So like yeah. it, it's almost an, the whole film is almost an accusation, which is probably why it sits wrong with a lot of people. Cause like there are two things you don't mess with in this country, uh, Marilyn. And I found out Elvis. So yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's weird that they both came out this year. They're, I didn't they're, they're personally like, see that this film was an accusation, although there were accusatory properties in this, hmm. but I don't think that was, that was, I think if, if there is a um, there are centri- centripetal circles of depth, I don't think that's in the middle. Is is saying really? that we did well, this? I mean, yeah, don't... no. I really think this was just inside of her, and he was trying to figure out why she died. And the reason she died is because she never had an identity. She didn't know who she was, and so she had nothing to latch onto. So when she was seeing herself, and she realized she wasn't seeing a person that she really even recognized or, or understood to be herself, that she was just lost in the kerfuffle, and then just became this fantasy nightmare. Like it, the drugs and the no sleeping, and she just she didn't she, she didn't have any reality to clench onto, and, and went over the deep end. That was my take. Was, obviously, everybody's going to have a different take, but I, I don't see I don't see everybody else getting blamed for it in the same way. If anything, I see him the people around yeah. her getting blamed for it, like these two guys, which I don't know if they're real or not. But why? Well, I don't. I don't know their intention. I don't know why um, they're sending the pictures they unless were, they say like, please save her. But it didn't seem very kind. It didn't seem like they were in They were like, they were real. She didn't have a relationship with them um, as far as reality is concerned. As far as reality. Um, yeah. yeah. What, oh, but then again, what is reality? They worked yes. together on a set once. Is mm. yeah. From what I could claim that, that whole thing was possibly someone else covered up. I don't know, I, but it, it definitely wasn't uh, like the, there's no evidence that that relationship ever occurred, which 
kind of leads me into like they were the ones that had the photos that sent him to DiMaggio, which led to him beating her. So if that whole thing was fabricated, then that fabricated element fed into the thing that was supposed to be an actual thing that happened. And so it's it's like half it's fabricated, half it's not. If you look into the facts of the thing, and it was just yeah. like some of it's fact, some of it's not. So you're presenting half this movie as fact and half this movie is a fantasy. And it it just like But you know what? It, don't, it we, off, don't we do right. that exact don't we do that exact thing when we hear celebrity gossip and stuff? Like we, we almost are like filling in those gaps for ourselves and we feel so comfortable making assumptions about about what these humans must have gone through and what could have happened behind the closed doors. And it's almost like the stuff between oh, the, the things that we actually dude, think the, yeah, we the, know. The media makes millions off that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, again, even if that was just a, uh, even if that was just an effective technique for him to use, like for this particular kind of story, I thought it, I thought it transcended the, the, whatever might be bumping for you in terms of, did this happen? Um, but you have to be willing to do that for sure. Let's try to, if it's cool, I think we should try to talk about like specific areas of the film because you can have like a big picture conversation about this all day. Yeah. So you guys said the opening really, really worked for you when she was a mm. child before we kind of move into anything of, of her beginning to enter the industry as an older person. Not totally Marilyn yet, but so the first part worked for you guys. I was a little thrown, to be honest, by the dialogue. Like it just sounded very unnatural. Mm -hmm. um, and it took yeah. me a moment for me to realize like, Oh, okay, this is not about it. Like, this is there is something <laughs> yeah. really strange happening here, and I started thinking like this is how she remembers it. Like this is like this is some weird fucked up version of like nobody actually behaves and talks like that. Some of the horrific stuff with her mother, I think, did feel almost authentic because memories and the authenticity when you're actually going through those moments are so so. Um, I don't know what the right word would be, but like it's hard to actually experience things that are that traumatic when they're coming at you in real time. Like we kind of rely on memory to censor some of it. So that stuff really worked for me. But I I was so compelled by that sequence you're talking about with Charlie Chaplin Jr. and Edward G. Robinson yeah, Jr. Where is she? Where is she? Like at who? Oh, it's mm. Norma. There's Norma. No, there's Marilyn. Like that weird. Their like, whole it, it worked 20, for me, yeah. 30 minutes together. I was just like. What is this? And and that was kind of the first time that I really allowed myself to, to stop trying to have any kind of accountability for what was actually real and what wasn't. And I gave myself over to it. And I, I as soon as he that the bed sheets turning into the waterfall, like from there on oh, out, yeah. I was just like I was just in his arms. Like anything that would have happened, I probably would have bought. And the music. Because, oh my god, the music that they put on during that scene. <laughs> Yeah. The score in general was was really incredible. Um, it kind of went after that. It kind of started going in and out in terms of like uh, being more suggestive and being um, it almost felt like he was tapping more and more. into. as the movie went on, it started to feel more and more like is this is maybe how somebody in that place would look back on these events of their life, because he, the way he started to kind of crunch all of those major touchstones, even though it's a very long fucking movie, we all kind of started expecting, oh, we're going to see this and we're going to see this and we're going to see this. And the way he manipulated them kind of, they became so malleable. It, I, I, I don't know, like every bit of it was introduced in such an evocative way that I thought I knew what to expect when he would get to the next relationship or movie or whatever. And every single time, it was surprising to me. Well, is I, I, I can't... It reminded me of this is another reason it reminded me of acting class, not to keep harping on this, but we still do this. But especially this is the method, people. This is this is the heart of the method. And she eventually studied with Lee Strasberg. So maybe he took some liberties with that, which is really bordering on therapy, where you take you substitute the existence, uh, the circumstances of the show, and you put your own circumstances into your character. So essentially, every time, whether it's an audition or not, Marilyn is calling upon these traumatic parts of herself as an as as to to flesh out the script you get the script uh, yes who are you i don't know who you are oh i thought you were that person but i'm so alone and rather than just say those lines with feeling you remember a time in your life that purpose purposely matches these circumstances and you bring all of that yes in this case trauma to it now i'm not saying that like 
this is just an acting exercise, this whole movie. But in a way, that's like what her whole life was. And she just didn't know if she was doing it intentionally or not. That I, There's the one scene to talk about this. And I, I think I text, did I text you guys this? Maybe not. But there's the audition scene where the reader is getting uncomfortable. And she's clearly going in for, for blonde bimbo roles, for dumb blonde roles. They're, they're obviously talking mm. about that. And what, there's this one script, which is the line is like that. She, she doesn't know who the guy is. The guy's like, you're saying that, I'm that. Uh, I'm not Philip, I'm Jed. And she goes, oh, you're not him. You never were. And honestly, you could read it as a comedy. You could read, like, I swear, I was listening to the dialogue and it could have easily been like, oh my God, I'm a dumb blonde and I forgot who you are. I thought you were never him, were you? Ha 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 ha, I'm just a dumb blonde. But she did it and it was fucking torture. And the reader's getting uncomfortable and everybody in the rooms, it's almost like she just could not shake this trauma out of her. Cause she gets a lot of knock on her performance ability, her acting ability, but she's always in it. <laughs> Whatever she's doing, she's she's never hamming it up. We think she is because she's brilliant at it, but she's in the little I know about her, it's very relaxed and it's very full and very lived in. It just sometimes seems out of place. You know what I mean? So I wonder if her whole life is like these traumatic acting classes come to life. Anyway, that, that's just an idea that I haven't flushed out well, I think out it yet, definitely but. was. I, mean, I, I, I have definitely whole... I have definitely known yeah. like actors and actresses who thought their life was a, a series of scenes. Which is another something that's really yeah. relevant to nowadays. So this is the vehicle for They're not well, but that's how they saw it. Yeah, like and you're like you're, the, you're most... the star in your own movie. You're the, yeah. you're the star of your own. Po- how many people podcast to themselves in real life, like as if they're telling the, the world what their day is? You know. Yeah, the jokes on you guys. I haven't released any of these. <laughs> there's a very Dave's the only one getting buses. What the fuck? <laughs> there's a very difficult scene um, with John F. Kennedy, yeah, where she mm-hmm. literally discusses that inside in an inner monologue while she's performing a sexual act that yeah. is very hard to watch very hard and it's literally right in your he, face yeah the yeah. fact that he plays that because because when it started happening like it was one of the many times when i was watching this where i was like oh god don't make us watch this yeah and he two things happened one he gave that voiceover where marilyn begins to say play the scene don't throw up if this were a movie, you could blah, blah, blah. And she starts literally dissecting, like, how do I pretend to be a part of this experience? Which is kind of like the whole essence of the entire thing mm. for me. It was like, it was building to like, she is in a traumatic experience, discussing how to pretend to be okay with a traumatic experience. So that touched me. And then at the same time, that, that scene, I, I, I agree. I think that was a fucking brilliant scene. The hallway was played from top to tail. Andrew Dominic pulls out and shows a movie audience watching a screen of the scene being played on the screen yeah. <laughs> just so we can all remember yeah, like so she, you yeah, you are the sick fuck that is choosing to watch this she's disassociating you herself as well is, yeah. yeah she's doing it we were doing it it was like god damn it was all happening once and i think this is a good time for us to just point out that um there is let me try to find this this article where anna de armis basically came out and said um, that she, where is that article? Where she basically said, because there are so many scenes that where, where she is either nude or in the middle of sexual activity. And um, I thought it was really great that Anna de Armas has come out and said, it's harder for people to watch than for me to make it. Because I understood what I was doing and I felt very protected and safe. I didn't feel exploited because I was in control. I made that decision. I knew what the movie was, uh, what, what the movie was doing, and I trusted my director. I felt like I was in a safe environment. We had hundreds of conversations about these scenes. Everyone felt a deep respect for the movie we were making. And in that sense, I had no fear. I didn't feel uncomfortable at all, even though they were really hard scenes. And I felt like one of my biggest takeaways from this, which I'm trying, you know, when you're People are asking you, oh, did you see it? What'd you think? Should I see it? I'm trying to tell people for sure that like, you can have whatever opinion you want. You're a human, Hmm. but I hope no one undercuts the amazing amount of trust that was required from her, her risk to take on this role and to do it so much. And for both of them, director and actor to trust each other, to try to do something that is this evocative. I, my, I mean, I just, I tip my hat. Like, I just cannot, I haven't seen anyone I mean, take risks like there was, that in there was so long. no half-ass in this role. She went all fucking in. All fucking in. I just can't imagine anyone taking the Oscar over this. I mean, not to jump all the way to that, but... But she won't get nominated because people are afraid. People are scared. They, or they, you know, they don't like it. They'll probably avoid it. I shouldn't say they're scared, but because of the reviews, I, I can see this. I don't but, know. You know I, would, I don't know. Jeff, talk be, about like, the... 
Joyce Carol Oates Wait, up Dave. at the top, real, real fast. Joyce Carol Oates came out, who's the author of the book, just to, so we can kind of just put this out there. She said, I think it was a brilliant work of cinematic art, obviously not for everyone. And she said, it's surprising that in a post-Me Too era, the stark exposure it, of sexual yeah. preda uh, predation in Hollywood has been interpreted as exploitation. Surely Andrew Dominic meant to tell Norma Jean's story sincerely. So again, it kind of like, it almost like elevated this film that we're in this context. And he's not an idiot. I'm sure he kind of knew what murky waters he was working in when he started handling the subject matter. But everybody's projection of how they feel of that word exploitation onto this director's intention or what, what they might say is a false intention or, or negative or manipulated intention to try to use that as a way to get us into a movie theater. I feel like that is just the shallow end of criticism. Honestly, I feel like that is just completely bypassing the amount of respect that all of these people must have had to take this many risks Everybody that was on screen yeah. seemed I mean, to be really I, going for I'm it. I'm not like the exploitation of it. I didn't. Even, that didn't even touch me. It was. I was like, the, like it's a performance, and I get that. It just it bounced around so much. It just kind of lost me. Totally. That was that was yeah. that was my problem with it. like it was like you. It kind of sets it up one sets itself up one way and then turns that on its head. And it wasn't until about I think maybe forty five minutes to an hour in, I settled down and started like watching it for what it was. But that first hour was just completely disorienting. Sure. No, I totally get the it. The last 30 minutes. That's going to turn a lot of people off. For me, yeah, the, the last, last 30 minutes for me kind of stopped. Like it started to not be quite as that captivating, compelling thing that really got me. I started to to lose a little bit of it. Although I will say that like- Because it got real the, ugly. It did get real ugly, but also like the the filmmaking- if he was playing with this theme of that, like you're watching this and we created this all together as society and the film was such a huge part of it just because she was all of our interpretations of her are through a lens, almost, almost all of them that it finally built to this place where I was like, God, he's doing it so much. And in such an, in so many obvious ways that I kind of feel like I'm trapped inside a movie with her and all and that did start to excite me all the way to the last moment where if you didn't know that he was trying to make a commentary on this is a movie and this is not supposed to be taken literal, the final scene of this movie is a cameraman literally setting down a camera on a floor. It shakes. It oh, moves. Yeah, that, that it whole... doesn't feel refined. He moves it a little bit, literally attaches something to it so that he can do in a natural in-camera fade out to black. Like yeah, the I... final statement was so effective for me that it did redeem a little bit of the last 30 minutes or so. Did it seem like a snuff film yeah, or see, something? I, like... I, ref I referred to that as focus pullers day off. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Started, Dave's got to make sure it, we get our buzzes in this episode. I, I, no, at one point I, I did, uh, for a second there, I was like, are they shooting with the lens off the camera? Because it like the blur just looked so fucking blurred. That I was like, if they There's just take so the fucking many, lens dude. off the camera. But yeah, that um, that last fade out when he he did it and and uh, like the iris started to shift, and I was like, they're doing that in camera. They're doing the film fade out yeah. in fucking camera. I was I appreciated that for done, what it was. <laughs> dude, how many of these things do you think were optical effects like in camera? The transition into the threesome with the bleeding images, the bendy, like mm -hmm. slowly revealing their bodies. Like, how the fuck did they do that? All of the, like, what I can only call, like, blown-out silhouettes, like, when they would just use, like, tote, like, everything around here was so overexposed that it seemed like she was, like, whatever the opposite of a silhouette was. Like, somehow we saw her face centered in the middle of that. Yeah. And it made sense. Oh, there's just so many things like that where I don't, What about, you know, did you guys see this where Arthur Miller's face was, when she was on drugs, like, his face was just blurry. Blurred, but it almost, yeah. But it almost seems... That's a... That's a... Fake. Is it is it is almost it a, seemed... No, there's a, there's a type of... um. I'm not sure if it's aphasia exactly, but it's a, it's a type of thing where you can't recognize faces. Right. It's a mental But the illness. way they did it, it almost like someone put a thumbprint on the the negatives or something. They literally, they, like, mm. it seems, I'm it doesn't sure seem that digitally digital, clean. That was a digital effect, I'm pretty sure. I'm, sh I'm sure it was. Yeah. That it looked, Elizabeth, it was just, it was just Elizabeth like, made a good wow. point that um, it's, it is known that Marilyn Monroe had very bad eyesight. She couldn't see. Oh, mm. interesting. She saw things blurrily, in a blur, like, yeah. and she didn't wear the glasses because at some point somebody told her, you know, you're not as 
pretty with that. So I thought that I don't even know if Andrew Dominic knew that, but that kind of gave it a whole different element when she told me that yeah. after the fact. I was like, oh my God, the way they chose to deal with whether or not she was perceiving and somehow mm. in the center of it, she was always she was always seeing herself in the middle of these situations. Yeah. That because that, that theme, was, that motif, that was the other thing. Like when they were when, clear over and over and over. When again. they were doing the circular blur of everything yeah. that wasn't yeah. her, and yeah. like you, like you'd see someone, someone had sat there and lovingly rotated her out so that like that blur only applied to stuff behind the fence or like not her, but everything else. And like, because even if she went into the section that was blurred, she didn't blur. So she was there no matter what the scenery was doing. It was. It was. How did the babies work for you guys? All the the in the womb images and motifs. It was Dave. (laughs) It didn't. Uh, The first. The first one. I was like, all right. Um, and then like I didn't feel like it was necessary at all. At first, I thought they were going to literally show, like, the abortion. I was like, oh no, they're not. Like, because that that would have been the line. That was too far. Like if, oh if my god, the one scene far. though where it like it, yeah. oh my god, but, the, or the uh, one scene where you see like the uh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, no, they I that was that was weird for me as well. I didn't really enjoy that. I it I think it didn't, it didn't for me. The first one or two, I mean, again, if she's going I know there's all a lot of people are talking about the daddy issues, like this is just daddy issues, it's a girl, it's a guy saying a girl, all she has daddy issues. I still go back to acting class thing where it's like therapy, when were you touched as a child? And it's like she didn't know her dad was, her mom's crazy, she didn't have any siblings, like she just wasn't rooted in this reality, and she just that was one thing that could have helped root her. I'm not justifying daddy issues or this telling of this telling of it, but as far as the babies are concerned, it was just sort of the other end of that, which is why she I think kept going for her mom, at least in this telling was just like the bravery and courage of bringing a, a child into this world it's like it, it, it justifies our existence you know maybe as a take on why that was happening and the fact that it came so close and it was living inside her and it was a part of this psyche like we're living inside of her of Marilyn so therefore we have to see it somehow to justify this um, so to speak I but but by the last one it was it was a little bit torturous. But then yeah. again he doesn't he didn't want us to be that last when she wakes up with the blood and everything it was just like oh my that god was I'm a, for this that to be was over. a fantastic shot. It was great. I mean it was oh, it was like, the it horse was, it was, was the just horse like, and the bed. Oh, like, she I had, had the worst dream and then she pulls the fucking sheet aside. That I mean that was meant to be shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. They did that really well. But, so it, maybe it, maybe yeah. it did work, but it's it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. It's like a I just the passed. By that, well, I mean, by that point, we're so far down the path of destruction. It's like everything from this point on is going to be a fucking tough pill to swallow. Well, it ha- and it's like it's almost yeah. like they had to go that far because yeah. otherwise, it was like we got to kill her already because we've already gone so far. And so it was that was like that was like the, that was the last one for me, which I think it kind of was for the movie because even the note that was like your dad wasn't real. I don't. That was just kind of like okay, good, we're at the end now. But yeah. that baby, the last third baby was. Th- is it the third one? Uh, yeah, there was abortion, miscarriage, abortion. Yeah, yeah. I she actually so. had oh, three man. miscarriages. Um, in uh, reality, was that, a, that and, was a miscarriage. No it wasn't abortions. an abortion. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think it's did it work for you, John? Rumored, rumored that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it was. I wanted to bring it up because in the cinema, in the movie theater, when the baby started talking to her, oh, yeah. some people laughed in my cinema. It did not. It worked so badly for some people that they started scoffing at the screen. Yeah. yeah. And by the time the third in the womb shot arrives, the the, the second abortion, third loss, um, some people started scoffing at it then and like making like mo- like arm gestures, like give me a fucking break. And some people I could tell were like very moved by it, and very affected by it. Did um, Did they want us to think that the, that the studio would have got would have like it, it, maybe that is accusatory, like. She had the miscarriage, but it's because the studio was giving her drugs and they were making her live this lifestyle. Like, it, Look, it was... dude, my, I was about to say, that's perfect transition because the first abortion, the... Or miscarriage. The it's very confusing. Into, well, the first one is actual abortion, right? Her, yeah. She's saying, I don't want to do this. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Yeah. And they put her into twilight sleep. The way it goes into, with like 40 different filming techniques mm-hmm. that are happening inside this sequence, but it transitions into her like running away, running into the fire in her house when she's a child. Yeah. I know. Trying it to re- save reminded the, me of Batman you know, Arkham Knight when Riddler gets you, like when, uh, sorry, Scarecrow gets you with his fucking venom shit. It was, yeah, it is, it is like that yeah. shit. But then and right after you that, I'm pretty nightmare. sure, I didn't look at this, I didn't take a second glance at this, but I think I'm right. It came out of that and she was sitting in front of her mirror 
like in, in makeup. Yeah. So like it was like the studio, like what you were just saying, like, I, I don't think and it's not about if it literally happened or not. The idea of the pressure she felt to do that, to get back to conjuring Marilyn Monroe. It was so effective. Like that, that sequence, that whole sequence made me, cause I, I, I did feel like, are we going to see this fucking abortion? Like, I think he, he towed the line so well of making you feel like, are we really going to have to watch this? Is she going to put herself through this? And what is the mm. point of seeing all this? He went into the the sense it was right before she does the sense memory work in the acting class when she transitions out of L.A. to New York. I thought that was really beautiful metaphorical language to show that ahead of time. And just by the end of it, just having her stuck. It was the first time I think we saw her like after trauma already as Marilyn, which is something that we're going to keep coming back to, like this idea of seeing herself in a mirror and trying to. Turn I mean, herself Mar- into this Marilyn new is where of she, herself. Marilyn is where she turns when she can't handle what's happening to her. The, and it, that so, is yeah, I guess that's what Yeah, we all have one of those. That's kind of what th- thematically, whether or not these abortions happened, I feel like the statement that, again, not literally, the statement that she was constantly, possibly, grappling, this version of her in the movie, grappling with the trauma of her past that the conflict of whether or not she could actually save the version of herself who was so traumatized as a child by having a child was, was just, it was so, it was, it was stretched out so well. And it was so disgusting to have to see her deal with that, that it was, it was, it was amazing to me that it was so reusable. The fact that it kept coming back to that, whether or not that actually happened in her life. I found that weird, see, that because she couldn't, like, she couldn't save herself. That, but that, that first abortion was because she went and saw her mother and they said that, like, your mother is has this, like, mental disease. Right. And she's like, well, is it is it in the blood? Was I born? Like, does it? can it be passed on to, to kids? And they well, he insinuate that, yes, it probably can. And that's when she has that first abortion. But then she goes on and gets married. Yeah, she and says, has "You kids killed your and... baby for this." When she sees um, gentlemen prefer blondes. Yeah, but it, like then she goes on to proceed to have kids or try to have kids after right. that. So Which it's like what, a complete yeah. change of. Well, the question of whether or not she actually wanted them. You know, I feel like that was a more important question, and it became. It, it was just such a. It was, I feel like it was such a device for her to see herself through. That I again, it was easy for me to stop thinking about. Did this actually happen? Because I thought it was so effective for her to be trying to figure out if she can actually save herself from what happened to her by trying yeah. to do it all again. Can I mother also, myself into a new life? And the answer was ultimately no. Also, for the timeline, the, the timeline actually checks out for this because that was uh, gentlemen preferred blondes right before it. Because remember, she gets the studio thing and she's like, "I can't do it. I just can't do it." How much is that person getting? And that's that whole conversation. That's 1953. The, the Joe DiMaggio thing with the, the seven-year itch and when she moves to New York, bless you, is, is 1955. And then she starts this own company basically for herself around 55, 56. So I'm not a historian, but this is actually the one period I know where in 1952-3, she's still willing to, and we didn't talk about the sexual assault, which maybe we just shouldn't. And, and I don't think he helped himself because he mentioned, like, people are talking about the Me Too stuff. And, you know, but they, I guess they don't want to see it, even though they're willing to talk about it. He, he's, I, I, I'm mm. paraphrasing. I, I don't want to, I shouldn't be saying things that I'm not 100% on. But he did mention, like, people are talking about the Me Too stuff. And so it's okay to show it because people are talking, bless you. So anyway, I, we don't have to talk about the assault thing. But up until, bless you, Jesus. Oh, dude, John did Jesus a whole Christ. bunch of coke before so, the show. So anyway, 53, 53, 54, 55, when she's doing Gentlemen Prefer Blondes in the seven-year itch, she's still at that point in her career where she has to say yes to everything because she's not set. And then she takes ownership at 55. She marries um, Arthur Miller in 56. And then theoretically, like after 56, she should be in a better place. And then she wasn't. So I I don't... Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've... We've covered it. We've covered it. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, is, I'm not going to recommend yeah, people don't, don't it. see it. I just, I just didn't enjoy it on the watch I had. Uh, sure. I'm not. I, I, let me let me correct myself. I didn't enjoy all of it. There were certain elements of it that I loved, and a lot of them we've talked about, like <laughs> from this. Jeez, sorry. So, like, it's it's definitely worth seeing. Just like just to see what you come away with. Yeah. yeah. 
it's the it's the number one trending movie on IMDb of what people are searching and googling. So you know, even with that rating, which is you know weird. It's even crazy. with probably especially Good. with you know, I mean, people like, are curious. Yeah, so yeah. there's it, there's some controversy around it. It's you know, go watch it. Yeah, go watch it and go watch. It. I love we say don't watch. Go watch it after we just. <laughs> <laughs> you guys no, no, loved no, no, it. No, no, no. What are you talking about? I I was the one that had a problem it. with it. I was I had a problem with it on several levels, but I'm still saying like, should it be seen? If you like film, yes. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. a fan of Marilyn, like an like an avid 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 fan of Marilyn, maybe. it's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna yeah, enjoy yeah, this, but right. maybe still watch it. Yeah, yeah. All right, people. So. Let's get into our final segment of what you've been watching, where we go around and give you our recommendations of the week and tell you what we've been watching. We always start with Dave. Dave. Oh, what have what I been, been watching? watching? Um Well, I've I've been I've still been going with Rings of Power, which yeah. finally had its old fuck moment this this uh this week. This is this is the one week where I haven't seen these two episodes yeah, in time yeah, for it's, uh, uh, it's, the yeah. whole internet blew up about it. Um it's yeah, it's an old fuck moment. Um, you have to wait to right near the end for it, but uh, yeah, give that a watch. Um, I that's about all. I mean, I, I'm still going with Andor. I'm still going with She Hulk. Um, that's about it. I've been in. I've been in theater, dude. Yeah, you're <laughs> I'm, in the I'm doing a show for the nice. first time in five years. So yeah, it's I. I've been. Uh, I've been busy. And I yeah, and I've also I watched. I also that. watched the new Black Panther trailer about six times today. The No Woman No Cry trailer. No, the new one, where they reveal. Oh, there's a new one. They yeah, oh, a, toy, a fucking toy company blew the secret. Uh, so again, I I feel like <laughs> I feel it's it's only a matter of time before <laughs> Kevin Feige puts out hits on about five Hasbro executives. But uh, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, and uh, so they released a trailer where they pretty much reveal, and then they release the posters where it's like blatantly obvious who the fucking new Black Panther is. So all right, well, yeah, God damn it. But it also, um, yay. All about it. Love it. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure whatever it is is great. It's going to be the first Marvel movie I, I enjoyed this year. Yeah, mm. I think we're all open, banking <laughs> on that. I'm caught up on Rings of Power as well. Finished uh, finished catching up last night. And um, how, how many episodes is it? Three? Where six. Are you at? Six <laughs> no, now, right? John's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm caught yeah, up. I'm at exit. Watched two and a half more. Anyway, um, I have now... I think had a couple moments. I'm still, you know, you still have to kind of realize it's, it's a series. It's not Tolkien. It's something else. They're based on that. But there were a few moments over the past, the past two episodes or so where I was, I felt like I was watching Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like right. It, it is beginning to touch in that place where you're, you are finally deep enough and you know all these characters and you can kind of just live in Middle Earth under these circumstances. And because of the reveal Dave is talking about, mm. it does bring it back really well to... Um, Something that, you know, might show, be a little fan fiction-y, but it's going to be fucking awesome show, to watch. Show us on the doll you know, where happened. Lord of the Rings touched you. <laughs> so that's, that's me. <laughs> I'm trying to get Dave drunk here. He's got a busy hell. week. Um, so I, see, I, I think I only watched Andor and then one other show, which is The Patient. I finally saw The Patient on Hulu. Oh, I want to see that. Re- I really want to see that. Yeah, it's so it's 28 to 30 minute episodes of drama which is already like an, an interesting form 10 episodes Weird. steve steve carell domino gleason he's a therapist domino gleason's a serial killer kidnaps the therapist and basically is like you're, you're gonna help me not want to kill anymore while you're chained up in my basement now of course if you just if you're doing the math there you're saying okay that's five hours of steve carell chained in his basement and so it has a little of the, this could have been a really good play that's, you know, two hour syndrome going on. They, they do, they do make some decisions that help that format, you know, because as a writer, you always want to write yourself into problems that you can write yourself out of. But that's a tricky problem to write yourself out of that your therapist is <laughs> chained to a bed. And hmm. also we never see Domino Gleason's point of view. It's all from Steve Corral. So some flashback stuff, but I think on the whole, on the whole, it's good. But there were definitely a couple of times where I was like, I was I wasn't I wasn't itching to binge it. Let's put it that way. But it's yeah. it's not over yet. I think six episodes have come out, and I think I've seen five of them. Um, but I'll give it I'll give it the recommendation, and I'm going to keep going through. And I hope that by the time I get to the end, um, I hope I hope I'm glowing a little bit more than I am right now. That's it. Nice. 
All right. Amsterdam is in theaters, friends. Mm. Other movies to go see. It's getting all the one word titles. We love it. It's getting getting thick out there. Andor, Blonde, sure. (laughs) Smile. All the one word titles. All right. Thank you you so much for joining us. Did you see the clips of uh, the uh, Major League Baseball? Where they sent people out to just stand in the background of the shots and smile. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the yeah. fucking demon. I'm yeah. hoping they only sit there for a second because it's creepy. Oh, and I, you know, no. I have been watching sports because no, they, they were there for ages. Apparently, like, like the first time they did it, they didn't even have him in the smile T-shirt, and it got really fucking creepy. So, so weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> um, we'll see you next time, Phil fans. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs>